Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, geeks, nerds, fanboys and girls of all ages, welcome back to yet another exciting season of the Vigilant Geek Podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are now in season two of this epic pop culture adventure that we're taking you on. Uh, I'd like to introduce myself here. I am Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media, and with me, as always, is Holden Orm of Vigilant Geek Media. And we have a very... Uh, Exciting and uh, high-octane episode uh, for you to kick off Season 2 of the Vigilant Geek Podcast. Uh, we're going to give you a very in-depth, very uh, opinionated DC Comics Universe update today. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, there's no more appropriate way to kick off this episode uh than uh to to first uh, and foremost address the huge news uh within the DCU um now uh throughout history uh DC execs have uh you know um had a a, a long uh uh track record of of sort of gaining huge fan bases and then uh pissing them off with uh new publishing initiatives which involve new different continuities and and origin stories and what have you well um uh for those uh gold and silver age fans out there uh obviously uh there were some issues with that when the new 52 came around uh well for those new 52 fans like myself uh i'm somebody who sort of uh really became a concrete dc guy uh at the beginning of the new 52 um so so you know um I guess, uh, without further ado, this is sort of, um, the point where, uh, I get let down, um, with, uh, the new publishing initiative that DC has decided to go with coming up in the next few months in Rebirth. Rebirth. Now, Holden, you have a, a ton of, uh, factoids about Rebirth. Uh, you, uh, I'd, I'd love for you to just jump right in and, and, and fill us in because I actually, uh, I don't know much about it except that I'm dreading it. As a new 52 guy, I am dreading it, but, uh, uh, without further ado. Yeah, DC, um, they, they, they have a really hard time just developing their fringe characters. So what they decided to do is we're going to go ahead and I guess it was like right after the Flashpoint arc, they went ahead and then be the, the result of that was the the new 52 and they rebooted the entire universe and gave everyone a nice starting off point. Well, as that continued, more fringe characters dropped, more fringe characters got brought on and it's kind of this revolving door. Unless, unless the title on your book has anything to do with the Justice League, Batman, Superman, The Flash, uh, Aquaman, Green Lantern, then... Wonder Woman. Oh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, she's a big one too. Uh, I don't really read books much, but no, she's a, she is, she's a big deal. So, it, but unless it's one of those characters, 
DC had does it has little to no confidence in them. And so what they do is that after uh, at the beginning of the new 52, they went ahead and they started this initiative the summer around uh, last year called DCU. And as in you as in Y-O-U. It was, right, right. I remember that. It was a yep. play on words. Mm-hmm. Those, it's not, I guess, uh, puns aren't, uh, below DC. Anyway, uh, they went ahead, they did that. They had some really intriguing things. All of a sudden, uh, commission, uh, Jim Gordon is the new Batman and Superman, as we knew him, is just completely nerfed. And, and then the, the Snyder Batman book's always good. But everything else, really dropped off and it's just really irritates the hell out of me because I've had I've been kind of a DC guy ever since I seriously got back into reading comics back in 2012 sure and I jumped on when the new 52 came out and that's kind of the characters I know and everything but I, I understand there's a certain amount of marketing but I also understand that DC is pretty much turned into the equivalent of the minor leagues for Marvel. Anyone who can prove themselves with uh, a pen writing or illustrating or inking or anything, if you're above average quality, Marvel just seems to swoop in, throw a ton of money at these guys, and brings them over. Yeah, or just flat out kidnaps them. I mean, I I gotta believe that happens too. Well, these are the same people who uh, do Daredevil, so I'm sure they're very uh, very experienced experienced or at least they they've run <laughs> through some scenarios oh absolutely you got you got to know that but absolutely. anyways so continue with your gripe <laughs> dc i see what you've done no i'm not gonna cut a promo on them i just i'm not prepared i'm not prepared to cut a promo but i am it just so anyways when i heard that rebirth had happened that uh that it's pretty much an uh, there it's not a soft reboot like DCU, but it's not quite a hard reboot like the new 52 initiative was. And so it, what the hell is it? It's somewhere in between. Um, I believe Jeff, it's, well, Jeff Johns is in charge of it. And that's like the only guy I trust at DC to put his hands on anything. Uh, because just like everyone else just up and leave. He's the, he's the, um, got the keys to the city. He's also the same person who revitalized Aquaman, Green Lantern, and Flash. And the state of affairs that DC would be in right now if he hadn't revived all those franchises within the DCU. Oh, yeah. It would be pretty grim without that. No, he's, he's done some monumental things. He's created some, uh, interesting characters, uh, additionally to the DCU as well. Um, and he's also, you know, uh, got experience in, in so many different, uh, media, artistic mediums anyways, comics being like, you know, the main focus. But yeah, Jeff Johns is a very multifaceted, multi-talented industry titan, I, if I'd oh, say yeah, so. He's, he's in charge of, uh, all their television and I believe He's also the point man on every, all the cinematic films that are being developed. As oh well. yeah, yeah. They don't put things on screen without his say so either. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's unfortunate that uh, they don't have anyone else that have the chops because he's doing these really important big picture things, and unfortunately, uh, I don't think he's going to be writing any books for a little while. I, I think he's leaving the Justice League book. That's a bummer because that book's been so good. And we'll get into that in a minute, but let's talk a little bit more about what the hell is going on with this rebirth. 
Absolutely. So when I heard about it, I had to learn more about it and understand what it is that DC is trying to do. And it, it just feels like every year they try to do something to pique your interest, come in, all of a sudden these limited edition books sprout out of nowhere and then they, you swoop into the comic shop and then they take all your money. Oh yeah. Uh, they're good at that. Uh, that that stung in particular with the uh, the convergence. Yeah, that's a few hundred bucks. I wish I had back in my pocket, but what can you do? But uh, as DC is uh, rebirth, uh, the initiative. Um, I'll go ahead and get some uh, key points out there. All right, so everything gets rebooted to number one, with the exception exception of Action Comics, which will continue on the actual number of issues that have been printed for Action Comics. So. The first issue from Rebirth for Action Comics is going to be 957 and Detective Comics, which will begin at 934. Everyone else will be number one. Yeah, that's a headache and a half, but now what can you do? It's just, uh, that, that part never really bothered me that much because you're going to collect things regardless. And if somehow like you're OCD enough that you can't collect comic books because like thing numbers are out of sequence and your brain breaks. Which happens. It's a, it, that's a serious thing. Ugh. I, I, sh- I you should. know, the, I str- the struggle is real. <laughs> the struggle is very real. There's too many numbers. Too There's many. Too many. Too many questions. Too many questions. Um, let's see. Too many questions. <laughs> I'll show you too many questions. <laughs> uh, continue. Continue. So, um, so what the hell is this rebirth thing? It's just uh, so everything will get rebooted to a number one. The um, the rebirth actual will. Will start and it will be kicked off by an 80 page one shot written by Jeff Johns. And I believe he's having a Ethan Van Shriver and Doug Ooh. Mankey, a lot of the guys that he worked with, with on Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Yeah. yeah. Those, those guys, uh, yeah, they're, uh, historically some of the best penmen, you know? So, so Pencils. we know, we know it's going to be, it's going to be pretty. Uh, it comes out on May 25th. All right, I'll, I'll write that down on my calendar. Uh, another big thing. I is better, I better be impressed, or I'm gonna be so, I'm gonna be so pissed. So I also have here a list of. Let's see. So they're gonna like, have so pissed, man. After May, following in June. Like this is their last straw with me. Like seriously. Well then. Like I, you know, I'm a new Fifty Two guy, and if that's going away, this better be fucking impressive, or I'm gonna be so fucking pissed. Put a boot up Jeff John's ass, I'll tell you what. I know. Well, he's the, like, I don't know. The only saving grace is that he's the only person at DC that I have any, any faith whatsoever outside of Snyder. Right. We know Gotham City's in good hands. Well, he's changing over to the Detective Comics book uh, any month now. Yeah, I'd see. I'm not exactly sure when, but... Uh, once the Super Heavy arc concludes, he will be moving on to Detective Comics. But I got to imagine then that's going to be like the real gritty, like murder, mystery, horror, suspense, awesome book, you know, that you want to pick up uh, coming out of the Gotham City uh, nook of uh, the DCU. I also I think it's probably going to be the main focus of uh, of all the Gotham books are the things that happen in Detective Comics. Which will be cool because like that's no longer like, you know, oh, this cool side book with, you know its own story that doesn't really affect the main continuity in Gotham because now it's like 
you know, the deciding factor of what's going on in Gotham. It's much different. So yeah. that'll, that'll be fun. Cause like, you know, Batman and Detective, those are two titles that, you know, I have just always read, like from DC since I was a kid. It's just Batman. He's just, it's just too good of a story to, to not read. You know, it's just one of those things. Well, it's, um, it's, so, just, it's, it's one of those things, like even when it's bad, it's still good. Yeah. It's a good way of putting it. Cause, cause you're right. Um, and it's been bad. I mean, there's been, a, there's been instances. I mean, not so much in the source material, although there, you know, there are certainly things that I particularly as a fan do not like, and I could get into that, but I won't. But, you know, then you look at other mediums too, and you look at, you know, instances where Batman's been bad. Not to get on too far of a tangent, but you look at things like, uh, like Batman and Robin, the movie, or, uh, you know, George Clooney and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, we don't have to get into that. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, um, you know, some of the Batman, uh, animated, uh, projects that haven't been all that great. Um, the Batman comes to mind. That yeah, that, really... that one, the animation is so bad. Um, and, I mean, everything else is pretty bad too, but, um, yeah, that one just got put on Netflix and I was actually just watching it the other day and just shaking my head. Like, yeah, this is Batman when Batman is bad, but when Batman's bad, it's still good because compared to a lot of other bullshit out there, it, it's still, you know, it's still good. It's really decent. I actually, uh, one of the newer ones that came out and it's kind of like a Batman team up show. It's called Batman the Brave and the Bold. Yeah, that one's so silly. It was, it's, it's pretty campy, but it's not like absurd, awful silly like the Teen Titans adaptation that they have out right now. Oh, the I... Teen Titans Go. Another instance where, well, DC gone bad. Yeah, but Batman gone bad almost. So I got but, this list of the Rebirth titles that will be coming out. Yes, back to Rebirth. Um, so in June, we got Rebirth specials for Aquaman, Batman, The Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Superman, Titans, and Wonder Woman. And then we got new number one issues. Now, DC is taking a page out of Marvel's playbook, and then their main, their main title characters are all going to be getting issues shipped twice a month from now on so what marvel does with spider-man and iron man with the twice twice a month mm-hmm. now now marvel's going to be doing that but they're going or to be dc doing, dc my bad dc is going to be doing that with aquaman batman the flash green arrow and let's see we have a <sighs> green lanterns book so i guess instead oh, of just okay. a single title i think they're going to just bring them all together and wait so so that's going to be the only Green Lantern book being offered is Green Lanterns? Um, or is there going to be like a Green Lantern book as well, and that other one is sort of like a Green Lantern Corps book? Um, we'll find out. I need to, <laughs> I'll, I'll just read off the whole list. I'm not completely sure. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm, I imagine that they're, they're, they're I try breaking. to, I try to use you. I, I forget that you're a human. I try to use you like a computer and like, I, <laughs> all right, well, I need the answer to this. Uh, I need it now, 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 now. I'm pressing the button and it's like frozen. It's frozen. I forgot. Oh, I forgot you're a human. You actually need, need some time to do research. So my, my apologies on that. Let's see. Well, let's see. Let, let's, let's, let me, I'm going to speedily go through this list because I'm, 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 I'm dragging here. I'm dragging. So we had those new number ones with Aquaman, Batman, The Flash, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Superman, Wonder Woman number one, and then also Action Comics and Detective Comics, which would be numbered as uh, 
And then we have more specials for July. We got Batgirl and the Birds of Prey rebirth, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps rebirth, the Hellblazer rebirth, Justice League rebirth, Nightwing rebirth, which that's pretty interesting. This is that'll certainly be the biggest rebirth in the sense of the word is is the Nightwing rebirth because uh, you know he's doing his Grayson thing now. Um, he's been let's see, he's been doing the spy thing for two years now. Yeah. I might actually start reading that again if he actually becomes Nightwing again. I just, if I want to read a spy book, I'll like go read a spy book. Yeah, oh, there's, I'm sure there's some out there. Let's see. All right, see, so we got some new number one issues here. Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number one. So that is your other Green Lantern book. Ah, Justice League number one, Nightwing number one. And then we have more new number ones. These are the ones that are only shooping once a month. We got Batgirl, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, which, eh, you know, if Stuart and Tara Wright do that book, like they're doing Batgirl, then I'll probably pick it up. Yeah, I pick it up for the artwork. Um, I don't know. Brandon Stewart, uh, his writing is sort of hit or miss with me, but we can get into that later. Yeah. Uh, anyways, continue. Also, let's see, the Hellblazer number one. So it looks like, um. Ooh, are they bringing the name of the Hellblazer back? Yeah, they're bringing that back. Cause right now the name of the book's, uh, Constantine the Hellblazer. So now they're just gonna call it the Hellblazer. Which, which is, uh, James Tynion the fourth has, and, uh, Ming Doyle have actually been doing a really good job writing that book. Hmm. It's, it's been pretty. Yeah. I've been intrigued. I've liked it. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> Let's see. Then we got Red Hood ah. and the Outlaws, number one. The Superman, number one. Titans, <laughs> number one. And then I guess going into fall, they got more Rebirth specials. Batman Beyond, Blue Beetle, Cyborg, Deathstroke, Earth 2, Suicide Ooh, Squad. Ooh, Blue Beetle. I know. That that piqued my interest, too. Because it, the Blue Beetle's power ah. set is not unlike that of Exo Manowar from Valiant. Do tell. So, yeah, the 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 scarab, which gives uh, the blue beetle his power. Usually, it uh, it it does mind control on its host, and then kills everyone on the planet that they're on. And then the reach show up, which is the name of the people who make the scarabs, the aliens. Wow. And then they take over the world. So, if they can find somebody who can actually make it more interesting, because I read it when it first came out on the New Fifty Two, but then it just dropped off like the face of the earth. Ah. It was, and then they cut it and got rid of the book, like so many other fringe characters. Yeah, they get they cut books so fast, like it's like, oh, it's not making enough money. All right, it's gone. What do we got next? Batman and so and so, and Superman and Lois Lane and the Wonder Woman and Triangle of Love. Yeah, yeah <laughs> let's go with that. Yeah, that'll make us some money. Yeah, let's uh, let's see, let's let's make some team up books with Superman and Batman. Batman, Superman, and then Batman, Superman team up, and then Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman team up, and then we got Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman team up with somebody else. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Like Lois Lane. Lois Lane. A lot of people probably want her to actually have her own book. Yeah, that would suck. I don't imagine it being too, I don't know, they could turn her into like a Laura Croft type character. Nah, no, they couldn't. No, I'm a reporter. Unless, like, Lois Lane was just, like, going to war zones to report on things, and then, like... Lois Lane is a pain in the ass. She's a pain in the ass woman that asks too many questions. (laughs) 
Anyways, any more Rebirth titles? Uh, let's see. We have the specials <laughs> for here. Uh, Suicide Squad, Supergirl, Teen Titans, Trinity, Rebirth. I don't know what... I hope to God it's not with the Phantom Stranger and uh, like Pandora uh, and the question. Uh, uh, like, uh, 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 we're uh, cryptic. We're going to show... Oh, Bad things are going to happen soon, but I can't tell you what they are because that's the rules. And it's just uh, like... Those are the characters that they need to shit can and bring back the cool ones like Grifter and friggin' uh, the Hawks, Hawkman. And then that... Blue the, Beetle and Booster Gold. They, Why not? That book would be hilarious and awesome. Well, they've done stuff before, like Justice League Michigan, or is it like Justice League like Great Lakes or something silly? Justice League Milwaukee. Yeah, they should, they should do some, well, what was the name of that other title? It was, uh, it was, uh, one of those Justice League books. It wasn't the Dark Books. It was, uh, um, like the Canadian Justice League? No, it's like, it wasn't Justice League United. It was like, it was this really weak ass team. It had Booster Gold and Guy Gardner and the Blue Beetle. And I forget what the name of it. They were the, just like, it was just the lamest Justice League team. Like all these heroes <laughs> that like they're, their shtick is that, like, they have great powers, but, like, they don't know how to use them well. It's like, oh, we're so awkward, growing pains. And it's just like, X-Men did it better than you 60 years ago. Knock it off. Yeah, well, word, man, yeah. That's that's for sure. Let's see, let's see. All right, a few more number ones. All right, we got Batman Beyond, Blue Beetle, <laughs> Earth 2, Gotham Academy, Next Semester, <laughs> Supergirl, Superwoman, Super Sons, Super Duper Ooper. No, that's not one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got us good on that one. Ah! Let's see. Uh, Teen Titans, number one, and Trinity, number one. We, We don't even know what Trinity is. I can only hope that it's like, it's something... I don't know. All in all, I think this is just another cash grab to try to build interest, which, I mean, you gotta build interest, but, like, you're not developing any of these, uh, characters. I know for a fact DC has way more fringe characters than Marvel does. Oh, you look at, like, you know, the character, the cast of Legends of Tomorrow. Each one of those characters should have their own book. The Hawkman and Hawkgirl, if they don't have their own books, they should be in the same book. They should have a book. Uh, Ray Palmer should have his own book. Firestorm. Firestorm should have his own book. Uh, maybe not White Canary or Captain Cold and Heatwave. You know, if they had their own book, you know it would be good, but. It'd be, you know, they've, they've made TD, TV adaptation comics before. They did it with Arrow. They, and The Flash, yeah. And they've done it with The Flash now, too. The I think it's only a matter of time before they put out the DC Legends of Tomorrow, and I'm probably going to pick it up because it's the only way I can get my Hawk Girl fix or my Adam fix. Like that would just be a great idea for a book to actually put out. It would could be it could be like DC's answer for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it, it absolutely could. Um, but I'm for- but they don't like 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 you were saying they they don't know how to utilize their characters the way like Marvel would be all over that shit. It's so weird. Well, Disney, all their properties, they're real proactive on getting the most out of every franchise that they own. They've done it with Star Wars now, and then they've done it with Marvel with the films. But if you hadn't noticed, like Marvel, did, they are investing heavily in the books. 
they're they're printing at least twice as many books as DC is, maybe three times as many books as DC is. Yeah, they got an insane amount of books. They're not afraid to pay their writers. They're not afraid to pay their artists. And they they get some of the best names. They they usually have some of the best artists. They they invest in in these new franchises. They're really trying to develop the Inhumans. Their their fringe books are always better. Mar if if we were supposed to call like uh, what would happen in a comic book war before Marvel and DC, I'd say Marvel killed them two years ago, stuck a sword in them, and then has been drinking fine wines out of the skull of DC. Just the DC skull, and they're filling it with wine and drinking it. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's a good, it's a good analogy. Sure. Uh, and the, it's just, I, I think I'm just pissed mostly at this because DC, they were like, they're like, I, I, they were like, who I really started out seriously, like when I really got into comics. You know, a lot of great history, a lot of great characters, and it's just like, it just seems like the people running the show are just really, really irresponsible. I mean. Oh, they have their thumb up their ass for sure. I mean, I don't know. I think I don't. I don't know what Dan DiDio does. He fumbles. He he fiddles with himself all is, day. Is he like the editor of everybody? Like he, just calling all the he's shots. The, and stuff? He's the editor of jerking off. I'll tell you that much. Because like right now at the top of DC, we got we got Jim Lee and and Jeff Johns and then Dan DiDio, and I can understand why Jim Lee and Jeff Johns are there. Yeah, they're in charge of, like, all the big decisions. But, like, Dan DiDio, I can't think of anything. Like, every book he's had <laughs> in the past five years has been canceled by Before the Sixth Issue. It's, like, it's absurd. Like, what is he doing? He's just, like, like he's got naked picture of Ted Turner's mom or something. So he's got something, that's for sure. He's really something, I tell you. Well, um... A little bit of background info as to the new, yet again, new publishing initiative that DC is coming forth with to John and Jane Q consumer, such as you and I, uh, in Rebirth. And, uh, Mr. Holden J. Orm, uh, expressing his disdain for, uh, for Rebirth. So. Um, let's, uh, change gears here just real quick and let's get into a little bit of current, uh, DC Comics continuity. Let's update people. It's been a little while since we've done, uh, a DC Comics Universe update. Uh, so while we still have the new 52 to report on, shall we report on it? And, uh, shall we start off with, uh, what's going on right now, uh, with the Justice League and the Dark Side War? Right. So, I mean, all in all, um, there are still really good stories being written at DC, but their just complete lack of faith and development of their fringe characters has really pissed me off. So, it, hmm. with, with Justice League War, we have this great standalone story that Jeff Johns is doing and he's uh, getting all the art done by J Jason Fabok. And uh, it's really, really good art and... Essentially what has happened is they've reached back into the vaults of, into these really old stories, um, and they're, they're going to the, the first crossover event ever with the Crisis on Infinite Earths. They touch upon the, the main villain in that, in that book. He's returned in Dark Side War in the Anti-Monitor. The Anti-Monitor! So, 
what happens is the anti-monitor... The anti-monitor. ...comes to Earth, and then uh, using uh, Darkseid's half-daughter Grail, and then, then he ends up getting into a fight with Darkseid. Darkseid somehow found a way to manipulate death, but the anti-monitor had the anti-life equation and used it to take his servant of death the the death racer and bonded him to the flash make, right that was cool his. and then the the flash just after that he used the flash and he killed dark side and dark side's like this super uber powerful new god so he dies all of a sudden there's this vacuum in the universe and right. all of a sudden all the justice leaguers uh d- develop like their power their powers just get way stronger and to fill up this power vacuum. So meanwhile, Grail, she steals the life, equ- anti-life equation. The anti-monitor reverts back to being, becoming, uh, Mobius. And, right. And, uh, and, and right now it, it hasn't quite concluded, but there's this huge fight going on. Um, and the Justice League had to join forces with the crime syndicate in order to take on, uh, Mobius because he's so powerful. Now, it was I always get confused. The crime syndicate's universe was destroyed by Mobius or was it Dark Side? Uh the Mobius when he was the anti monitor. Mobius when he was the anti monitor, okay. So so they're here in our universe because of that and, and that was, you know, uh that that was way back from Forever Evil, you know, when they showed up and their universe got destroyed. So that's why they're here, um, just in case anyone was like me and wondering, wait a second, why the hell are the crimes in to get here again? Oh, yeah, well, that's why. Um, so so Mobius has taken out their universe. They have, uh, you know, somewhat reluctantly uh, joined forces with the lasting Justice League members uh, that were not turned into gods. Yeah. Like Batman, well, the god well, of knowledge. Yeah, they they all well they all actually end up coming together. But yeah, some of the changes that they've seen, Batman sat in the Mobius chair and the Mobius chair grants you knowledge of like everything. And Hal Jordan's like following Batman around while he's floating around on his chair and he's like, I need to get you out of that goddamn chair. Yeah, and then Because you're Bat- just an all-knowing jackass. Because uh, Batman becomes, like, he's already super smart as it is, and now he's sitting in the all-knowing chair. He becomes, like, way more obnoxious. Oh, so obnoxious, but I love it. Being a Batman fan, and, you know, if if uh, you read one of uh, the earlier articles from way back on the blog, Visual and Geek blog... Uh, you know, we did crown Batman as the number one jerk in comic books, and uh, this is just a, a great example of his, you know, that personality, you know, uh, amplified and, and, and multiplied by, you know, a hundred right there. So I got a huge kick out of that. But let's talk about, you know, some of the other Justice Leaguers and the changes they went through as well. Uh, let's see. Superman got bombarded by the solar rays that came from the planet uh, Apocalypse. Right. And he turned kind of like this weird, he looked kind of noirish, like black and white look to him. And it's he's they, they made him God of Strength. Wonder Woman's already the God of War. So there's right. that. Um Lex Luthor tricks the people of Apocalypse, and he becomes the god of Apocalypse. Fitting. Um, the Flash is now the god of death. Yep. 
He looks cool as the black racer too. And Shazam is a god of gods. Yeah, um, I forget. I read that one shot. I I totally forgot how that happened though. Yeah, it's just uh something happened with the power vacuum, and then and then some of them are more obvious, like Superman getting bombarded by the by the rays that made him wicked angry and want to kill people. Right, and, uh, and then Shazam was there. And then, yeah. yeah, and then we get, uh, yeah, that's pretty much, I think that's pretty much everybody's there, cause Aquaman's not in the Justice League books right now. Yeah, why is it, why is that, do you think? I don't know, man, cause I know Jeff Johns really likes the character, but I guess he just, he chose probably because he wanted people to get more interested in Mr. Miracle. Right, scot free. Like, uh, like, that's one of the nice things about Jeff Johns, is he's, he's got this ulterior motive hidden under the surface and he always uses these books in order to try to bring back these these characters that he knew when he was a kid like the metal man shazam um scott free scott free and all those characters jack kirby created along with him you know uh big bartha and the whole gang yeah barda barda whatever barda yeah all, all, all kinds of good characters there and then, and then I, you can see he's doing it again because, uh, with the Blue Beetle, they're trying him out again. Unless they're going with, uh, I don't know, cause one of the older Blue Beetles, um, he was just like an inventor. Like, it had nothing to do with the Scarab. But I mean, the original Green Lantern had nothing to do with, uh, the Green Lantern Corps. It was based on, uh, he had a magic ring. That's right. The, uh, Alan Scott Green Lantern, much different. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so that's been very good. The Batman book has always been really solid. Uh, unfortunately, Scott Snyder is going to be moving on to, uh, Detective Comics, which it's kind of a hard thing to deal with, but it's not that huge of a deal because he's moving on to Detective. Right. Um, well, before we get into that, let's just put a, Put the brakes on for two seconds, and uh, since we were just talking about Justice League, um, just want to mention real quick Brian Hitch's JLA book, Justice League of America, um, which you know follows its own continuity. Uh, you know, it, it's separate from uh, what's going on with Justice League and the Dark Side War and all that right now. Uh, Brian Hitch has been doing his own. Uh, Big mega story arc, um, involving, uh, this Kryptonian god named Rao, uh, who, uh, has shown up on Earth, uh, to find Superman, and, uh, in doing so, um, has, uh, used Superman sort of as, uh, as, sort of, uh, a, a reference to the people uh, that he is their savior and that he is there to bless the human race and, uh, um, give them, uh, the optimum life, if you so, if you will. Um, well, it turns out the whole thing is a giant hoax. Um, as you read further on, um, this was a, 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 a big thought out scheme uh from this entity known as Rao who in fact uh was a monarch uh uh of Krypton at one point in time 
um, and had the ability actually to uh, suck the life force out of people. Uh, his followers in order to maintain his youth over thousands of years. So, uh, Green Lantern actually, when he travels back into time, he finds all of this out. Um, basically, Rao wanted to split up the Justice League, uh, when, uh, he was doing his whole plan of blessing everyone on Earth and getting ready, you know, to, take people with him in his giant cathedral in the sky. Um, well, uh, basically, he sends Wonder Woman to Olympus. He sends, well, Aquaman doesn't give him the time of day. Uh, he, but, but you know, they're converting or they're trying to convert uh, the Atlanteans, and Aquaman has to go back and deal with that. He realizes it's, like, become a real problem. Um, so he's down in Atlantis dealing with that. Uh the Flash is sent to uh, this corporation in the future, uh, Infinity Corporation. Um, so basically, like, all these Justice Leaguers are scattered around the different, different places, while Rao, um, using genetic modification, actually um, modified Superman's genes uh, back on Krypton, uh, with his parents before Superman was even born. So Superman had this affinity to Rao, and that's why he trusted him from the beginning, because biologically it was like an involuntary thing. Um, so, you know, in doing that, um, basically, uh, Rao is going to try to use Superman's blood to turn everyone Kryptonian, um, and then use all of that cri- Kryptonian life force uh, to make himself, you know, uh, immortal. Immortal, for for lack of a better term. So um, we'll see how the Justice League reforms and deals with that. Aquaman had, just at the end there uh, met up with Wonder Woman in Olympus. Uh, since she is the only god left, all the other gods and goddesses fled Olympus. She has. Uh, been quoted as saying that she is now Olympus. Well, she takes uh, Aquaman into uh, her giant, uh, like, weapons room. It's huge. It's a big building, and it's filled with anything that can be used for war, because she's the god of war. And there's tanks, and there's bombs, and there's biological agents, but she goes for all the mythical weapons, and she gives... Uh, Aquaman, uh, Poseidon's trident, and she takes, uh, I don't know, this badass sword and shield of some other god. Yeah, so, so, so we, we get some reinforcements coming. And Green Lantern also knows what's up from traveling back from the past, too. So, we'll see, you know, how the gang bands together and, uh, and solves that one. But it's been a good read, great artwork. Uh, Brian Hitch is, uh, Definitely got an A plus on that one. Is, so. he, is he doing everything himself? Yeah, well, he's doing uh, the 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 writing and the penciling, and then he's got an inker and a colorist he's working with. But that's all shitload of work. That's really oh impressive. yeah, oh yeah. And uh, I've 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 been keeping up with that, not as much as you've been, but uh, I I've read up to a certain point. It's it's been fairly interesting. I'll probably try to get the uh, get the rest of it when it all comes out. Yeah, it, it's definitely something that's going to be a 
make a really nice hardcover or a trade paperback, you know. So, you know, if if you if you you know you don't want to catch up on on the issues, there's about eight issues out now uh, of JLA. Um, you know, be sure to catch it on trade paperback. It's just it, it's gonna you know be be a nice thing to have. It's a great story and it's got f- phenomenal artwork. So. Um, but yeah, um, moving along, uh, to the Gotham City, uh, uh, nook of the DC universe, uh, let's talk a little bit of Batman now and a little bit of Detective Comics. Let's talk a little Batman. We got, uh, we got some interesting, really interesting things going on. So, like, since the endgame story arc concluded, there's there's a vacuum left. Everyone was led to believe that Batman had died. So back starting back, and I believe Batman number uh, like forty six. Right, right. Um, yeah, right they, around then. They, they they introduced the the idea that uh, they needed to create a Batman that worked with the police and is funded by the Powers Corporation, which the Powers is a Family is a very old family in Gotham, probably one of the top four. Probably part of the court, uh, court of Owls. But anyway. It w- wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, so there's this been the storyline, super heavy. We've been following Jim Gordon and his life, but then yeah, I'll also- tell you, it's been super heavy, man. It's just been, <laughs> it's just been one of those super heavy stories to read. It's like you gotta take, take a deep breath and calm down after, you know, raises the blood pressure. Super heavy, yeah. No, it's it's definitely been a a huge change up from the norm in Gotham City. That's for sure. So the main effect of this is it rippled out. So all the other Batman books, and in books where Batman, the Bruce Wayne would be the main character, we now have a Jim Gordon Batman, and that's uh, moved in. It's also in Detective Comics. It's also in any other number of uh, old, uh, Batman, Superman. Well, it was oh, for yeah. a little bit. No, they did a phenomenal job of incorporating uh, the Robo Bat, the new Jim Gordon Batman, uh, in in just about every Bat book or Gotham City related book. Uh, they had him even show up in Green Lantern in the uh, not the latest issue, but a few issues back uh, of Green Lantern as well. I mean, she's been in Batgirl. Uh, trying to apprehend Batgirl, not knowing that it's his daughter. Uh, interesting stuff, but they've done a great job of, of course, incorporating him, uh, the Batman and Superman book, like you said, and, uh, even in, uh, not the Justice League book, but, uh, now there was one other title that, where he was interacting with, it might have, it might have been Superman. Well, I think he's been in everything from Grayson to uh, Red Hood Arsenal, Batgirl. Yeah, just about everything. Yeah. So you know they did they they've done an excellent job of uh, you know keeping continuity alive and present there uh, for certain in in across those that array of books that they have out. So and then also that spun out of that was the uh, the We Are Robin book, which has actually been very very good. Um, oh yeah, and and then along with that, of course, comes the Robin War, right. um, which we absolutely must go over. Um, so the Robin War starts out when this councilwoman in who calls shots within Gotham makes these laws after 
one of the the Robins, one of these kids who get together and dress up like Robin and fight. Yeah, crime. it's like it's a whole movement, and uh, they wear the colors, but they they don't have any training. They're just a bunch of punk street kids. But they're trying you know, to do good. They're trying to do good. It's it's a cool story. Lieber Mayo uh, writes it. I thought he was going to draw it too, but he just does the cover art. Um, he has an art, another artist drawing. I don't remember who. Great book though, a book that I read. Um, so naturally, uh, when this happens, uh, Dick Grayson, the original Robin, along with uh, everybody else, they, oh, they along, come back. Yeah, along with all you know the other Robins. You know, you got Tim Drake, you got Jason Todd, Red Hood, and you got Damian Wayne, little shit that he is, and uh, you know. Of course, Dick Grayson more so than anyone else, you know, as the original Robin feels responsible uh, for this group of kids that, you know, just like sort of like the sons of Batman did, uh, you know, f- copying Batman and, you know, monkey see, monkey do with the Batman thing in, in Dark Knight Returns. Well, you have the same, you know, kind of movement, you know, on the streets of Gotham now with the Robins. Um so with that, um, what you don't know at the beginning is that Councilwoman such and such is actually trying to get into the Court of Owls. So, you know, in doing so, obviously, it's, you know, a you scratch our backs, we scratch yours kind of scenario, mm-hmm. as as most of those secret societies typically are. So then she goes ahead and he passes these almost Jim Crow laws that... Uh Children under a certain age wearing certain colors are to be apprehended by the police on site. So all of a sudden, all these kids are getting hassled. They all get together. And and what the Court of Owls is actually doing is, is they're taking all these youths and they're going to go ahead and they're going to test them. And then whoever the strongest one is, they're going to make the new Talon. Because every 20 years or so, they, they recruit and they train a new Talon for the Court of Owls. Well, um, wasn't that sort of just like, you know, a ruse though? Because wasn't the whole scheme pretty much to get, to get Dick Grayson's attention? Pretty much, because he, he was yeah. always their choice. Yeah, exactly. And then at the end, um, you know, they, of course, you know, make the deal, become the next Talon, be the gray sun, you know, that, the mystical gray, Space, sun, right? Yeah, you know, they, they talk um, that, about that, that, that we that that we want you to be, that we know that you are, that you've get your destined to be, and then uh, we'll leave everyone else alone. You know, the other Robins, we'll, we'll leave them alone. So, so, so he makes that decision at the end, which is really interesting and makes me want to start picking up Grayson to see how that goes. You got to think he's playing him, although they're playing him too. It's definitely it's 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 one of those two way street mind fucks kind of kind of deal for lack of a better term. It's it's another it's it's strange because they they legitimately like him and want him to be part of their organization and in a much larger role than just being their assassin as the town. It looks like they they want him. They want him for like a leadership role for sure. Almost, it's like they're grooming him for something bigger down the line because the Court of Owls is always trying to put people in places of power and and so that they can exert their control. And then at the end of the the story arc, they showed all the TVs of all the people who are part of Court of Owls, but it's not just a secret society underneath Gotham City. It's all over the world. It's like this Illuminati thing going. 
And that's also another element you get, that's you really get a real, my interest. Yeah, then you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that was I thought that was so neat. Is almost uh you know you don't you don't really know uh just how huge and how humongous and in and, and just interconnected the, the, the court of owls actually is and it's like I mean that it only took them, I think, like two or two or three panels at the end to really show that too, and it was just really neat to see. I really like conspiracy angle books like that. They're Me really, too. There Big aren't talk. very many of them out there, and that's why I really liked Archer and Armstrong from the Valiant line. Right, I know what you're talking about. They're, they're the key yeah. marquee. They're actually coming back next month. I can't wait. It's gonna be so. Good. Oh, I had to make sure I picked that up. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Yeah, they're they're, they're a favorite. They're a favorite of ours, Vigilant Geek Media's. Yeah, uh, we're a big Valiant guys. But and they, oh yeah, no, that's great. We'll probably uh, we're we're due for an update on them. Yeah, very soon, probably in the, within the next month or so, month and a half. But if but if Nightwing really does the the Illuminati thing and like like going after the owls and that's like the main focus of the book for at least twelve books, like I'd be really satisfied with something like that. Oh, me too. It'd be phenomenal. It'd be something that. You know, I'd want and trade paperback for sure. Um, so after the Robin War, though, um, I the the only other thing regarding these Robins, these crazy Robins, um, that you might want to know uh, is is uh, actually there's a couple of of things. Duke Thomas, who's sort of the main character in We Are Robin, um, you know, he's sort of had this main mission you know besides being robin you know his his first and foremost his his main priority has been to find his parents well duke uh has finally found them and they're not in the condition he was hoping they'd be in um duke had been checking all the hospitals around gotham city with no luck for months and had not considered psychiatric facilities uh, once he started checking around at different psychiatric hospitals around Gotham, he found his parents pretty quickly and realized that, uh, the effects of the Joker toxin from Endgame, uh, were, were quite severe and, and they aren't, uh, the people that he once knew. So very grim and somber moment, uh, for Duke, but also very big with, uh, you know, in building that new character. Um, who I've actually really enjoyed seeing, uh, you know, come into fruition here in Gotham City since Endgame. Uh, it's been pretty interesting, uh, following Duke Thomas on his escapades. Yeah, he's been, um, he's linked back all the way to Zero Year. He's the one who ended up rescuing, right, right, uh, right. rescuing Bruce. I forgot about that. Yeah, he's like the little kid in uh in Zero Year. Yeah, and it's just uh, he's really smart doing the crossword puzzle. It seems pretty early. Seemed like another inconsequential character, kind of like how Bluebird was in the beginning. Right. But I think by the time uh Duke Thomas gets his uh he's going to get his wings, but I don't think he's going to be a Robin. I think he's going to be called Lark because they mentioned a character named Lark at the beginning of the end game. Uh, storyline when Batman was having one of his crazy death dreams. Oh, with the aliens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, you could be right about that. And then the other one was, of course, Bluebird, right? The blue, blue mohawk, mm-hmm. I remember. 
okay, well, it'd be, it'd be interesting to keep following and see. But either way, he's definitely come into a character of his own, uh, for sure. Um, bummer, uh, to see what happened to his parents. Uh, you know, they're sort of irresponsive, if you will, but they still have, you know, the Joker grin, very eerie uh, grin that, uh, most people have after suffering from the Joker toxin. So, um, speaking of Joker, um, you know, and this brings us to a little conversation real quick about Gotham City imposters, which is a topic I love to go over. Um, now, obviously, uh, I mentioned how, like, the Robins are doing sort of a Sons of Batman kind of ordeal uh, with their movement in Gotham City, acting as, you know, imposters of Robin. Uh, and, you, and you look back uh, through history of Batman folklore and, and, you know, imposters have popped up all over the place. Uh, you know, there was this story arc, uh, in detective comics way, way back. Um, the only reason why I know is cause I have an original issue of, uh, Jim Gordon in the morgue. Uh, and he's like, you know, dealing with all these dead bodies in Batman costumes, you know, from all these people impersonating Batman. You look at the Dark Knight movie, uh, Christopher Nolan, you look at all those Batman imposters at the beginning with the guns and, you know, and then the Joker catches one of them and, you know, tortures them on TV. You know, well, uh, obviously, uh, you're not going to have imposters on just one side of the coin. If you got these Robin imposters looking to do good, surely they're going to be met by, you know, a, a gang of, of, of an opposing force with a, an opposing ideology. Uh, and, and, and you have that in this new uprising of Jokers. That's right. I, I actually just finished reading that issue today. The yeah. fact that the on the streets there's like this opposing gang called the Jokers now, and uh, right now the the Robins they're kind of they're not a group anymore. A lot of the lower level ones, real lower level ones that were just trying to yeah. do something, have gone back to their playstations. Whereas they really have five main characters who are part of the main crew for the Robins. We got Duke Thomas, and then we got the uh, the waitress girl Riku. And uh, Dre, the mob kid, oh, Dre. Dre, and then Dax, and Dax the mechanic, yeah, and Dax the mechanic, yeah. yeah, and all these guys have like seem like they have a lot of potential because they were all kind of grilled and trained by the, all the other original Robins, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's they're just kind of trying to find their way, like you said, Duke just uh, found his parents, and uh, and now we got this development of these this these Jokers. And, uh, it's been, it's been really compelling. And, um, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be another good arc for that. One last good arc before rebirth. Before rebirth, and we do away with that fantastic book. I, I love the We Are Robins book, though. Uh, so much so that that would be another one that would be worth picking up and trade paperback. I don't know. Just cause it's like one of those monumental things within Gotham City history that, you know, you're not gonna see anytime soon. Right. Sure. I mean, it's it, no. just to even simply appreciate it. There are a lot of side books that they do related to Gotham for the simple fact that Batman's name, even if he's not directly related to whatever the book is, is going to make it sell at least a few. Yeah. In this case, We Are Robin has been an amazing ride so far. 
It'll be a great trade paperback. Um, and it's, and it's just a fun time. Like, it's just a fun read. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, you get a little fix of crime noir. And then, uh, also like, you know, for those that really like to cheer on the underdog, uh, you know, you have a group of angsty teens, you know, in the street with, you know, crowbars and wrenches or whatever they can get their hands on. It's like real gritty in that respect, you know, and, and, you know, uh, very violent too, especially for, you know, a story involving minors, involving children, uh, uh, very, very good writing by industry titan Lee Bermejo, who, uh, has actually illustrated a lot of, uh, some of my favorite reads. One that comes to mind immediately, of course, is, uh, the Joker, uh, graphic novel done by Brian Azzarello, uh, that he drew. It was just fantastic. Um, so, uh, moving right along, um, I was hoping that you, Holden, could actually uh, illuminate us a little bit uh, in regards to uh, what is going on over in Metropolis with Superman. Now, uh, I recognize that there are currently four Superman titles that are worth reading as of right now. You got the title book, and of course, you got action comics, um, but also, uh, uh, Max Landis's American Alien. I've read the first three issues of that, and that's been outstanding. Uh, and then uh, what I haven't got my hands on yet uh, is Neil Adams' Coming of the Supermen. That's which looks phenomenal. It's going to be the trade paperback to own. It's uh, that that title in particular is a classic Superman story. Uh, you just you read it and you get real reminiscent of just like what the Man of Steel used to be. Yeah, and uh I read a little article uh on DC All Access and, and and Neil Adams actually that what you just said there that's that's what Neil was pretty much going for. He's not you know dealing with you know a current continuity Superman. He wants to celebrate uh the Man of Steel of yesteryear. Um so you know I looked at the artwork that he was doing for it and it, it just looked it looked like complete eye candy. I couldn't believe it. And the, the the actual story itself is one of the funnest things I've read in a long time. Just uh, uh the how many issues have come out so far? Just the one. Just the one. Okay. It, it, you it uh, you read it. The the storytelling's really good. You get like really nostalgic. It's kind of um. I mean, I never used to read old Superman books, but I I, I grew up on Superman from the cartoons, oh, yeah. and the movies, and and everything like that. So it uh, it really kind of gave me uh, little flashbacks to how things were on uh, on the Superman the animated series, the one that Bruce Timm did. That was that was an amazing show. Oh, absolutely! It was right on, along the same lines as the uh, Batman animated series, and then I believe Bruce Tim uh, did the Justice League series that followed those two series, and all of them were great. Yeah, pretty much. I don't think he's done anything that's bad. No, I don't think he ever has. Ever? No. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he'll do next. I believe. I don't know. Is he actually involved on the new? Uh, the the killing joke adaptation that they're working on. Yeah, I think it's like pretty much just like you know the old guard doing that. I think it's you got Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, 
I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Radomski was on there too. And then of course, uh, Mark Hamill voicing the Joker as, and and Kevin Conroy, Kevin Conroy voicing, uh, the Dark Knight as, as was, as is, as always will be the two greatest voices in the history of Gotham City. Then that's so crazy. I heard it got an R rating too. Yeah, it's already rated R, uh, which, you know, sounds appropriate. It's a really dark, really bloody story. Uh, it's pretty much famous for, well, it's famous in my opinion for, for three reasons. Uh, first reason is because Alan Moore wrote the original story. Uh, and Alan Moore is a very decorated man within the graphic novel medium. Uh, so that right there already gives it chops before you open the book. Um, reason number two is because it, it's pretty much like the concrete Joker origin that writers go to and pull from. I mean, even if you look at, uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Joker origin from Zero Year, uh, the Killing Joke origin was certainly celebrated within those panels, just, you know, in a slightly different way, different flavor, but, um, so you get that. And then, like, the third and probably largest, m- most pertinent reason for why it's such a famous story is probably just because, you know, at, at that point in time, uh, in mainstream comics, at least, you didn't see, uh, things just as, as gruesome and as, as dark and morbid as that, as what can be seen within that story. Um, now, oddly enough, uh, a death in the family, um, which is, uh, the story arc in Batman where, uh, the Joker, uh, Beats Jason Todd, you know, pretty much to death with a crowbar and then blows up the building that he's in, um, thus killing Jason Todd or so it seemed at the time. Um, you know, and, and, and that was a pretty morbid story as well. And it didn't seem to, I mean, obviously it's like a, you know, it's a huge landmark within Batman folklore, but you know, it's like, you know, that was huge and that, you know, it's like people treat the killing joke like it's like, you know, this, um, you know, like this is amazing standard that all their bat books. Do yeah, exactly. It. And then it's like, all right, well, a death in the family came out like, you know, six to ten years before that, you know, give or take, uh, you know, and that was almost as more. But I mean, that is, you know, you look at you look at a death in the family for what it is. It is a grown up dressed as a clown beating the shit out of a minor, a kid, dressed up in a costume. It's so fucked up. Pardon my French, you know? But, but, it, and then it's like, oh, but he does essentially the same thing with some other things, uh, you know, implied to Barbara Gordon, you know, and her father. And, and it's like, everyone loses their minds! Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, I'm not an enormous fan of the killing joke. People really were just like, oh, it's so good. It's just like, all right, cool. So. Al- Alan Moore didn't even really care about writing it at all. I don't um, think he, well, he hates mainstream stuff. Yeah, he, he, he just, you know, I think it was Alan Moore looking for his next paycheck. But what made that 
particular graphic novel story special, in my opinion, has always been Brian Boland's artwork because some of the most influential, uh, stills of the joker and of 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 jack napier the only real name the joker's ever had besides the joker uh turning into the joker just you know he captured it like so perfectly you know the artwork he was the one that was super pumped about doing the project and then that he got to you know work with alan moore uh, Alan Moore was like, yeah, I guess the Joker can rape Bob Gordon. It was that implied. I <laughs> thought he just shot her and then took a bunch of pictures to, and then posted all the pictures up in the funhouse and made yeah. Jim go through while he was wearing bondage stuff. Well, yeah, it's open for interpretation. Like I said, um, no one really knows, but I'd I'd say no. I'd say probably not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Joker's all about chaos and everything, but, like, he's never been about, like, scratching that particular itch. Although he's gotten crazier in the books lately. So who knows? Oh, God, he's, like, not even human anymore. No, he's just, like, some sort of fucking abstract idea with fucking, like, DNA and blood. Well, and and that's another thing about Batman, uh, about the book. Uh, I feel like we didn't really dive into enough, uh, is, you know... Bruce Wayne, before he uh, starts demanding to be turned back into Batman, in, in a sense, and, you know, the whole bring me to my cave routine that he pulls on Alfred, um, you know, he sits next to what seems to be the Joker on, a bench. on that park bench, and or the Joker sits down next to him, Bruce, and it's like, all right, we know the Joker knows who Bruce Wayne is. You know, Joker knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Batman still has no clue who the Joker is, which is freaky as hell. Um, but this guy, and he's annoying, and he's, like, pressing the wrong buttons. You can tell that Bruce is getting annoyed and pissed off. But he's, like, pressing the, bu- the right buttons to almost, like you know, mentally make something click in his head, like, that he needs to become Batman again. <laughs> it's like he's sitting next to this, you know... This creepy, pale creepy, dude. Creepy, pale, skinny guy. And then the creepy, pale guy goes ahead and says something to the effect of, like, please don't go back to what you were before. Yeah, exactly. And um, he's just like, what did you just say to me? And then the next time you see Bruce Wayne, his hands are covered in blood, and he's kicking in a door, and Alfred is just... Like petrified because he, he he's he's so happy that Bruce has moved on, but now he's regressing and wants to be turned back into Batman because there's a machine that'll turn you back into Batman in the Batcave. Oh yeah, and then but but through the whole st- super heavy story arc after Endgame, you you find out that Bruce Wayne is alive and he's been spending his time working at the uh, the kids center in in the Narrows, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he goes, he's, he's got a happy life, he's got a steady girlfriend, they're real serious, everything seems to be fitting together. Meanwhile, Jim Gordon can't handle the cape and cowl. He just can't handle oh, being Jesus, Batman. Oh, Jesus, no, he's stumbling all over himself, he can't quit smoking cigarettes, he's, you know, getting himself into one accident after another. He's good at taking care of really minor stuff, he had some close calls with some metahuman power types. But as soon as he runs into Mr. Bloom, that that criminal mastermind type that only Batman can take care of, all of a sudden, freaking everything he thought he had going for him ends up turned against him, and 
and the city of Gotham just looks like it's straight screwed. Exactly. Now, fantastic reading going on in Gotham City, and you know, pretty much, you know, any title. Uh, we we said we mentioned uh, Detective Comics, and you know the uh, the Monument Murders that are going on there, and they're sort of bringing Detective Comics, at least for the time being, back to its uh, murder mystery suspense type detective comic roots um, that have made the book so famous over the years um you know you can't, you just can't go wrong with batman right now and we've been saying that for months um but um getting back to the man of steel um we discussed neil adams coming of the supermen um and see and then we and then uh right now superman they started out with this uh at the beginning of the the, um, the nerf arc and then you find out about this villain called hoarder root who uh He's uh, controlled all social media and is using all the cameras and everything to get information on everybody. And he ends up getting the secret. And as well as it turns out, Hoarder Root was, before he turned himself into a digital creature, he um, he was actually in a wheelchair. And it turns out he was one of Vandal Savage's children. You slowly find out that uh, in Action Comics and all these other books that uh, there are these Vandal Savage has these kids and they're all metahuman types. Ah. And all of a sudden, um, it turns into this big story arc crossing, uh, crossing, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Action Comics, and Superman. Yeah. And it just kind of started a while ago. Um, I don't have all the books as part of the, to complete the story, but all in all, it's been really good. It's been really, really good. So, uh, you know, you're saying that, uh, the title book and action comics are, uh. They're all part of the same story. So, right so, now. okay, alright. Very cool, very cool. I can't wait to catch up on those Superman books then. And then, uh, you know, just real quick, we, we want to, we want to mention Max Landis's American Alien, uh, series he's got going on. Uh, I think he's done pretty good with it. Um, I've been enjoying it. I, I've read the first three, like I said, I think it's, what, an eight book series? Um, I believe so. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's an eight book series. What it is, is it's, um, it's a series of, uh, one shots or, or single story issues in one through eight. Each one's a different story having to deal with a different aspect of Superman's life. And all in all, it's been really interesting read. Yeah, there's a different tone for each book. Like, it, they're all, just like you said, they're, they're, they're one shots, you know, so, you know, and, and from what I understand, uh, it has a, you know, it's a lot more to do with Clark Kent, the human being, or, or, or the, you know, the alien who's posing as a human, I guess is a better way of, of saying it, uh, as opposed to Superman, the superhero. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more personal, uh, oh, it's been cool. Um, you know, they dive into a lot of different topics. It's just, uh, it's like, uh, they're, they're kind of showing, like, the creation and birth of Superman through these different experiences. Right. How he right. learned to use certain powers, how he deals with certain situations. Some are love stories, some are fight stories, some are discovery stories. Um, it's just kind of this, uh, nice little journey with a lot of nice stories, and it's been good, and it doesn't hurt that. DC gave him the keys to the city, saying that they he could work with anybody who's on their payroll. 
Yeah, that's so pretty the, nice, huh? So the art, it's been really good. Wow. Um, it'll be interesting to keep following that one as well into completion. And that as well, I imagine, is going to make for a very nice trade paperback if you're into collecting such things. So um, we're going to take a quick break now. Uh, when we come back, we will address the urgent topics of The Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Batgirl, and the DC Fringe. Stay tuned. Welcome back, listeners of all ages. This is the Vigilant Geek Podcast. My name is Andrew Puzak. I'm here with my comic book partner in crime, Holden Orm. And we are discussing the DC Comics universe, uh, particularly in regards to current New 52 continuity, although we did express our disdain for uh, the upcoming Rebirth publishing initiative that DC is taking in the next couple months. Um, so let's see, Holden, uh, when we left off, we talked a little Justice League, we talked Gotham City, we talked Batman, Robin War, uh, we discussed Superman, and I think that brings us to the fastest man alive, The Flash. The Flash. The Flash is so good. Yeah, The Flash is just hasn't missed a beat. <clears throat> Since before Robert Vendetti got on the book. Ever since, I, I've been reading The Flash since number one when the new 52 started. And it doesn't matter who's been writing or drawing the book, the book has been absolutely steadily the, the best, most quality thing that has come out every single month. It's, uh, it's been great. They just finished up, um, this pretty epic arc. They, uh, they've been going on a long time. They touched on a lot of, uh, the Flash's rogues gallery. He dealt with Captain Cold. He dealt with the rogues. He dealt with, uh, Mob Rule. He's dealt with Gorilla Grodd. He's dealt with the reverse Flash, but in this incarnation, it's, his, it's Daniel West, Iris West's brother. That's right. And then, after him, then the Flash ended up dealing with the future version of himself who had become homicidal. It is a future version of himself that he was, he was willing to kill in order to set things right because things went wrong and he, he was just like, I didn't know how to fight. I wasn't strong enough. Being fast wasn't enough. Right. So he goes back and then, and Barry Allen, the present time ends up going to this place in the speed force and ends up encountering a, a man named Shattenkirk who, Oh, Selkirk? Yeah, that's him. That's him. Yeah, he's a real two-facer, that guy. And then he's his whole thing is he just knows he's been studying the Speed Force his entire life, but he just hasn't had a chance to get his hands on some Speed Force powers like the Flash has. Right. Um, and then after that, we finally got our Eobrod Thrawn, our true reverse Flash. Eobard! Eobard! Eobard Thawne. Eobard. 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 Eobard Thawne. Eobard Thawne. I'm coming for you, Barry. So let's talk a little bit about Professor Zoom here. Eobard Thawne. So he's got this master plan. 
He's going back in time and finding other people with speed force powers. He gets them all together, trains them, lies to them all, tell them, tells them the Flash is the most evil villain in all of history, and he which has is, to be Which stopped. isn't true, because the Flash is the greatest person alive ever. He would never turn evil. He's the Flash. But continue. Ugh. Ridiculous. It's absurd. Makes me sick to my stomach just thinking about it. So he goes and he tricks him and then Barry Allen gets messed with and he makes this machine that runs on speed force energy and what it does is it spews lightning bolts everywhere when it's powered. And what what purpose would that... Why would someone build that? That just seems like a waste of time. They're trying to make the Flash look bad. Like, I I don't understand why the police would think that, though. Because it's like, okay, yes... The Flash was trying to help everyone. He's running fast. The machine works. It's blowing up buildings, and people are getting hit with lightning bolts and stuff all over the place. And then, oh, the Flash is wicked bad. It's like, well, you know the Flash isn't going to make a stupid machine like that. Hmm. Anyways, now Flash is, like, enemy number one. He had to find a way. And then it turns out that, like... His his dad now finds out his identity. He's he's able to clear his father's name because he ends up defeating defeating Thrawn. Because Thrawn was the one who went back and killed Barry's mother. Eobard. That's right. Eobard. 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 Thrawn. Eobard. 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 Thrawn. Oh man, I lost my place. So, what did he, what did the Flash do next, Andrew? I forgot. Well, the Flash defeats Eobard Thon, obviously. Ah, uh, yes, and then now we're beginning another story arc. So yeah, but, 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 but because of this machine and because of all the, the, the goddamn damage that's been done, uh, in the defeat of Eobard Thon, the reverse Flash, um, the uh Central City Police Department is now after the Flash. The Flash has become a danger to society. And not only that, if but... You, if that wasn't absurd enough... The Central City Police Department has also uh, uh, contracted the uh, services of the rogues. <laughs> so you have Captain Cold and friends uh, as sort of, uh, you know, honorary deputies of the Central City Police Department hunting down the Flash, uh, which makes things really bizarre but really interesting uh, for the uh, upcoming arc. You know, the, the Flash, you know, the thing about this, you know, the story itself is it just doesn't give you a second to rest. It's just go, 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 zoom, zoom, zoom. You know, just like Eobard Thawne. You know, just zooming away to the next story arc, you know? But, you know, it's great stuff. Uh, always, always, always a winner when you pick the Flash off the shelf. Uh, it's just, you can't go wrong. Um, now, let's get a little cosmic with it. Let's, uh, you know, maybe travel upwards out of our atmosphere and into the cosmic galactic crazy world of Green Lantern. All right. 
So Green Lantern just finished up this really long story arc where they're trying to find out where pieces of the source wall, how they were floating, and oh yeah, with black hands. Yeah, they're bumping into everything and everything's dying. The whole planets, and then and then Dead Hands all depressed because he can't reanimate dead things anymore. Now all he does is he just touches things and they turn to stone. So yeah. Hal Jordan goes, finds him, then he somehow ends up working with Relic in order to go ahead and solve the issue with the source wall. The dead hand ends up... Actually, I forget. I don't know. But well, basically, say... basically, Hal and Relic team up against, you know, Hal carries Black Hand in this, you know... Uh, light construct that he's made into a, into a into a coffin and he's carrying him there unconsciously and he brings him to the source wall and, and relics there and uh they basically just ambush him and team up on him and throw him back into the source wall and he gets sucked in so black hand is officially like sucked in in part of the source wall so as of now black hand is no longer a threat to anyone um they still don't know that, you know, there's really no way of them, you know, reversing any of the damage that's already been done in those pieces of the source wall that are still out there. But, like, the main fissure in the source wall has been repaired by uh, throwing Black Hand's ass into the source wall. I thought, I found it very entertaining because Black Hand is such a... He uh, was he was a jobber for forever until yeah. he got his hands on that black ring and the next thing you know, they... Like, like, one of the, like, tight biggest Green Lantern arcs ever in, uh, Blackest Night happens. He's like the main heel in that. Oh, I know, yeah. It's, it's, uh, he was nothing before that, yeah. And, uh, he's nothing again. He's just part of the source wall now. He's this part of the wall that, uh, is, 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 you know, one of the boundaries of our universe, if, uh, if you so uh choose to believe that. Yeah. Um so after that, um lately he's been spending a lot more time on Earth. Yeah, um after that arc, uh pretty much Hal Jordan cleans up that mess with Black Hand and then uh yeah, he 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 hightails it to Earth. He wants to check up on his brother and his family and uh he leaves uh the ship, Darlene, and, uh, everything up in space. He leaves that in charge of, uh, oh, what's that alien's name he has on board? I forget, but. Yeah, he's got that one who's like the, the nobil, the kid who's the nobility of this one planet that got wrecked by Sir Swalrocks. Yeah, and then Trapper, who's like, you know, a thug that, uh, was apprehended by hell. Yeah. Um, so, but he leaves that and he's, he's on his way to coast city and everything seems just great. And they're at the carnival. And next thing you know, one of these sonar bombs goes off and it leads into this current arc that they're doing right now with this new character sonar, uh, who is, uh, a terrorist from this tiny, region known as Medora what wants to be recognized uh as uh, a country you know an official country by the United Nations I like this one I liked it cuz it was a lot more different it's than It's picking a lot back of gr- up yeah Green Lantern it was, it was really picking back up over the past 2 months The I I almost prefer the stories when they're on Earth because you don't really see him interact and do stuff on Earth unless he's like doing Justice League stuff but 
He hasn't really been a main part of the Justice League since Jeff Johns was writing him in the beginning in oh, Justice yeah. League Origins. Yeah, he's been gone pretty much since then. I don't think he was, he was not a part of Throne of Atlantis, I believe. Nope. Yeah, so, so, you know, he was there for... Two what, story arcs. A couple of story arcs, and then Green Lantern's been its own separate thing from the DCU since that point. Uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. So Hal hasn't been around Earth really in years. But Sonar's a different kind of villain. Like, he's got, uh, these these bombs that are activated by by noise so it's, right so the people were cheering when the steering wheel started moving and then the, it set the bomb off and then and then he did they tried the trick with the um he was gonna when everyone started arguing at the un there was supposed there was one planted there but hal got there before that and then uh yeah he saved everyone's ass at the un um and then uh there's this whole deal with with Parallax coming to Coast City too and we we're, we're, we're what they left us with for the next issue is basically uh Renegade Hal is going to be facing off versus Parallax Hal uh but I'm not really sure like like I I forget within the Green Lantern folklore where we left off with Parallax if Parallax was still bonded with any part of Hal Jordan whatsoever, and, and, and if it is like, you know, makes any sense that Parallax is here right now. I have I, the answer, but unless you read a shitload of books like I do, you're not going to know it. Well, do tell. I mean, you know, I, I'd like to know. So, in Convergence, at the end of the book, oh, Parallax is Hal it, is it goes back. Is thing? Parallel okay. Hal, Parallax Hal goes back in time. Well, not back in time. He goes with, uh, he goes back with Barry Allen to make an attempt on the anti-monitor. I have no idea what happened after that because I guess everything was supposed to happen as it was supposed to happen on Crisis. Mm-hmm. But Parallax Hell wasn't in there in Crisis. Hmm. So. Yeah, Parallax Hell, I think he was already like messed up or something. Anyways, um, so what happened was, is okay, so now clearly things are kind of wonky in the DCU as far as, like, the fabric of reality in different universes. So Parallax Hal has absorbed the entire Green Lantern battery. That's his whole, that's his shtick, plus he's also possessed by Parallax, which is an incredibly powerful entity uh, of fear. So, But, like, how is, like... He must have just found a Terran reality, dude, and then went back and found the alternate reality where Coast City wasn't destroyed. Okay, I guess like, and then and then the two Hal's. Well, I've read the 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 next book. The the two Hal's fight, and then you you find out how strong Renegade Hal really is with that gauntlet, because he's he's supposed to have the equivalent of eighteen rings. But, like, Parallax has the entirety of an entire core, which is, like, something like 3,600. Somehow, Renegade Hal beats his ass. Um, hmm. Parallax Hal ends up running away. But then something happens, and then uh, Hal Jordan is completely composed out of light energy now. So, he's, like, got to find out what's going on with that, with him. Interesting. If If... 
I don't know. I always felt that if somehow Hal Jordan found a way to tap into the will of the universe without using the ring, he'd probably be so much more powerful. And then it would set him apart from all the other Green Lanterns because he somehow found a way to, to do that without that medium, that ring. Because right now he's just like a space cop, but he's got a, he's a space cop with like a wicked good gun because the gauntlet's better than everybody else's. I don't know. Hmm. I just feel like like the character kind of deserves that kind of respect that like somehow after all this time using will energy, he just finds a way to use it no matter what. Yeah, all that actually is a very strong point. I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. Interesting. I mean, if that's the direction they're kind of taking it now, it would also be kind of a nod to what Frank Miller did with his Green Lantern on part of uh like uh what was the name of the second one? I forget, there's Dark Knight Returns and then like the Dark Knight Returns Returns. Oh, Dark Knight Strikes Again. Okay, yeah, I knew it was something like that. Yeah. So in in that, Green Lantern was like living as this weird energy being and he had right. an, an energy being wife and then he goes and he like, like he turns himself into again but he's huge and he scooped up all those satellites. Right. I think it's kind of a nod to like that, that like that, the immense power that he ended up achieving. Like, if that's the Green Lantern stories that we get to read, where he's more of, like, w- way more omnipotent, and well, not omni- omnipotent, but, like, like more crazier good powers, because I'm all about powers, all the time, every at, day. At the same time, though, like, having him be, like, you know, uh, how, how would you put it, um... You're, you're, you're in a sense, you're, you're taking a lot away from the character if you, like, 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 I, I understand, like, Frank, what Frank Miller did in that particular story, he did it successfully and it, it worked. But I think, like, to, to have any longevity with, you know, any character, you know, that's, you know, I. Well, no, you can't have Green Lantern turn into an, an elemental energy thing and not have him get in conflict all the time in your books. He can't just retire. Absolutely not. I'm just saying the power set would be cool. Well, yeah, but I mean, even just the way the character is depicted, you know, like, like there's just a lot of factors, I guess, that would have to be considered. But I mean, well, they it'll, mean, it'll be interesting to see because it's happening. It, so. it, well, I mean, they manipulate with his image all the time anyway. I just, you know, if they're going to do it, I just hope it's something cool. Agreed, sir. Agreed. And speaking of something cool, let's cool off as we dive into the ocean for a minute and talk a little bit about Aquaman. That's like the intro of the episode, I think. That was really good. Woo! Let's talk a little bit about Fish Boy. Okay, so where we left off with Aquaman, uh, he was starting to be written by Colin Bunn and he did his one story arc which composed of he ends up um, he finds these refugees on this island from this um, this land called Thule which was actually part of the surface of Atlantis when it was sunk so Arthur's like oh man I'm the king of these people and then but like there are these warlocks on the other side that are trying to manipulate everything. So he goes home and he tries to like, you know, take command of everything. And then it seems that Mira went ahead and, and turned against him, but it wasn't really Mira. It was her sister siren who can, uh, shape change. 
Ah, one of those tricksters. Yeah, so now she's got Atlantis wrapped around her finger hunting for Arthur Curry, Aquaman. That bitch! Ah! And then, uh, so they went ahead and they, uh, they, he had to go and he, he went and he talked to Poseidon and Poseidon gave him this really sweet armor and this new trident. He's always getting tridents from that goon. Yeah, so now he's got powers over weather and stuff, and he can teleport wherever there's water. He's got some really cool powers now. Yeah, I, More... bet he, I bet he thinks he's Mr. Fancy Pants, doesn't he? Oh, he's he's actually wearing those fancy pants. It's fancy pants. I think they give him agility plus two. So they're, <laughs> they're, they're pretty swift. Yeah, that's not going to help him much. Don't worry. So he ends up getting into conflicts with uh, the elite guard from Atlantis a couple times. He ends up kicking their ass. He's fighting off these invasions from Thule because they're trying to take over. Some of them are like poor people and like they have nothing to do with it, but other people are like soldiers from there and they suck. So they all come together. The Justice League ends up forming up. Um, they go... Arthur ends up uh, making a sacrifice of all the new toys he gets from Poseidon and ends up destroying Thule. But at first, he gets all the innocent people out with all his friends, like Cyborg and the Justice League and all them. Oh, yeah. You got to get your bros out. And then so now they're they're settled on this island above above land. And then a new writer took over Aquaman. And it looks like they're going to go for a more uh, uh, political, more of a political story approach because nah. he's, he's going to uh, Aquaman wants to build an embassy in the United States. And he's gonna have Mira be the ambassador. Yeah. And then, uh. I don't know. Well, I'm into it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you don't, uh, I read Aquaman, so you don't have to, okay? Thanks, buddy. <laughs> no, I, I'm just kidding. That sounds fascinating. And, uh. Yeah. So then, uh, then they get this new arc coming up called Deadwater, where there's this thing that can appear wherever water is and kill something horror movie style. That's also part of the political thing. Well, there's the political thing going on, but then it's going to turn into the horror book kind of when the, because this thing's like, in the, in the first book of the, um, the arc, this thing killed like five people and Aquaman like probably just hasn't found out about it yet. This creepy sea monster just appears wherever water is, like even like small stuff, like puddles, like Dixie cups. That's interesting. I like creepy sea monsters and stuff. Yeah, it looks so, like... It give looks... me a call when that starts up. Maybe I'll read it. But, yeah, this political stuff, you know. I'm getting enough nonsense on the TV with the Donald Trump and and uh, Mitt Romney and Jimmy Carter and all those guys. I just, I just want my Aquaman Reagan. to be more like Game of Thrones, okay? That's all I want. That would be cool. I actually would dig that, but yeah, because you know, there's all these other uh, families and cities down there with like, there's not just Atlantis. There's probably a bunch of other ones. They alluded to it in a story arc that hasn't come to fruition and probably never will unless Jeff Johns writes it himself. And it might just come out as a one shot and have nothing to do with continuity. Yeah. It, or it might have to do with like, oh, this is part of my Aquaman run continuity. He could say that. He's got like all the power in the world. He's got a lot of power. And with power comes responsibility. Responsibility for writing Aquaman. Cause, I mean. No one else knows how to do it. Ex- exactly. <laughs> now, I mean, well, not completely. It's, it's been okay at times, but it like, only one time was Aquaman ever like, oh yes, I'm picking up Aquaman. I, I don't get stoked for Aquaman anymore. I just, oh, that's a I feel, I feel like the character has a lot of potential and 
it just, it's really hard to find somebody who can actually do that well. Yeah. Oh, you know, couldn't agree more. Um, Aquaman aside, um, I suppose, uh, it might behoove us to talk about, uh, oh, I don't know, Batgirl. Ooh, I like Batgirl. That's another one, uh, that, uh, I, I actually, I fell behind, but I just love the artwork. Uh, I know you, uh, can definitely illuminate us with some of the continuity there about what's been going on as of late. I did see an interesting cover where Catwoman was about to take her head off. Oh, that was a Catwoman cover. My bad. Um, anyways, I think she was with Black Canary recently. On one of the, yes. So, uh, it's kind of a new arc when it started. It actually kind of just snuck up on you because they don't start and go. They kind of just continue along the lines. The uh, no real compressed time there. Yeah, I'm not making sense. Whatever. You're doing great. You're doing great, bud. Just continue what you're doing here. Let me see. Let me see. Now, uh, what the heck has been going on with that sexy little Barbara Gordon? Right. So, a new story. Don't arc. tell her dad I said that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you should tell him. I'll show him a thing or two. Yeah, so usually uh Batgirl goes on a lot of uh one-shot adventures where she ends up dealing with the villain in one or two issues. And they're fun and they're quick and then you got the overall background life stories stuff. Well, finally something big happened. This is a much longer story arc. What happened is this guy, he's supposed to, this guy's his name's Greg. He's supposed to be like Barbara's like friend. Greg. From, <laughs> he's supposed to be Barbara's friend from like elementary school, right? And then, like, oh, the roommate's getting pissed Greg. off by him. It's like, this guy's going through your things and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I did. I told him he could look for my whatever CD or whatever. It's like, and, uh, it's it just turns out, Greg. He, it turns out it's this guy. He's, uh, called the plumber and he was this bank robber. And he, um, he went and he was going to go rob the place, but then Barbara Gordon busted him. And then he got arrested. And while he was in jail, he just obsessed about defeating Batgirl. And he like read a bunch of books in the library and found a guy on the outside who would build him tech like no questions asked. Hmm. So he'd just mail money like that he'd have in from when he's in prison to this guy. And the guy's got all the stuff made. He gets out. And so he's got the ability to manipulate dreams and stuff and go into a person's mind with this tech. And he's got all Barbara Gordon's life history, everything. He knows who Batman is. He knows... That Jim Gordon is also Batman right now. He knows all about, about Dick and Damien. He knows about the whole Bat family. He knows about uh, her. He knows her friends. And then he's he's going to take all this information and he's going to sell it on the black market. So, wow. So what happens is Frankie and, and Dinah, ha- well, the Black Canary. Dina. Dina, yeah. The She she also showed up in, during this and it turns out they... Uh, they got wise to what he was up to, and but then he made Barbara go catatonic. So then Frankie and, and Black Canary had to go inside Barbara's head, and they had to use Barbara's old AI, the one that almost tried to kill her. Oh yeah, to I go through her that. head. Yep. And then Frankie had to like have a close grip on it to make sure. And then towards the end, it turned out Barbara's head was so fucked. The only way to make her whole again was to bond her to the AI. Right. And that filled in the holes, and now she's back to her old self again, and now they're going to go find that guy and beat the shit out of him. 
Ooh, well, that sounds like a lot of fun. It is. Very cool. Yeah, Batgirl's always a crowd pleaser. Um, as is actually, uh, Catwoman and Harley Quinn, all those books. And, and, and actually, I, uh, I, I gave the, uh, Poison Ivy, uh, six book miniseries a chance. I read the first one anyways. And I it, bet that's actually pretty good. It I- was wicked good. It was, it was <laughs> such a, uh, What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like it really expanded on the character of Pamela Isley and like, you know, her, the motivations behind what she does. She is like DC's like premier echo terrorist, you know? And it's definitely a series that's gonna like, you know, accentuate that, you know, and, you know, she's, she's not, you know, She's sexy and everything, and, 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 you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, see her that way, but she's a very dangerous person, and, uh, that's sort of, like, you know, one of the main points that that miniseries is, is gonna be trying to hit home, and I love it, cause it's, you know, it's gonna really expand on the character, and it's also going to, you know, make the character more empowered for the future as well. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. The DC miniseries that are out right now are being done by people who are just of higher quality than the people who are on regular on the regular books for the most part. Or the Swamp Thing is another one. I, I'm caught up on that now, too. Yeah. Um, he went up, uh, he just finished off that zombie. Yeah, that's been, it's been a lot of fun to read. The artwork is fantastic. Now, Len Wein, or Wine, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. W-E-I-N. W-E-I-N, though. W-E-I-N, if you know about grammar, you can probably figure it out. I don't, but, uh, so he, I, can't, I can't help you. <laughs> you know, he's he's been working for DC for a very long time, uh... And, uh, he, uh. He was actually the original creator. The original of, creator of Swamp, of Swamp Thing. Exactly. Uh, so he's back doing that little mini series. That's gonna, that's gonna continue to be great. Um, but yeah, all those, uh, you know, those fe- strong female characters in the DCU, uh, especially the, the, all their books are, are, are pretty awesome. Catwoman is like a really awesome, uh, you know, female role for like a crime noir type book. Uh, they finished up an arc where, uh, she was sort of like, you know, the, the big power player in the Gotham underworld, you know, big family crime boss, uh, a position that she inherited from her father, Max Calabrese. Uh, how who, did that work? Did she just take it or did she get him to say that like she gets to take over everything? It happened in Batman Eternal, but I'm, I'm still kind of scratching my head no, he, about how he, it went down. Yeah, you know, he, she visited him in prison and he wanted her to have that position to get things rolling and then she in turn took the position and just ran and then, it yeah, the, until she, she took over Gotham. Yeah, but she also, she started doing, you know, f- things that she wanted to do, you know, following her own agenda, not her father's, uh, you know, things like, using mob money for philanthropy and like good things like that and things that were getting her into some hot water. Um, but it was a fantastic arc, uh, written by Genevieve Valentine. Um, she has since left the book and I haven't read the arc that has come after that. Uh, I forget who took over, but, um, it, it, it's been a fantastic crime noir book. Is and, it trade paperback worthy? Oh, Frank Thierry. He's the one writing, uh, 
he's the one writing it. Uh, he took over that book. So he's writing Catwoman. Um, it'd be interesting to see what he cooks up because he's, uh, one of those hit or miss writers, in my opinion. You know, he's got some good stuff out there and some, some ho-hum stuff as well. And then, of course, you get Harley Quinn and Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti's book. And that one's, you know, good for the comic relief and everything. Um, so, um, lots to offer in regards to that. Um, and then, uh, that would bring us to, uh, the DC Fringe. Which actually, um, I abandoned the DC fringe months ago. Yeah, I don't have a lot of good things to say about it either, but that might make this fun. Um, there are a couple of, of, of quality titles that I know you want to speak about, Holden. Uh, all right. Right now, I know, uh, if I can just say one thing about Green Arrow, um, please fill me in. Well, there's nothing to fill you in about as I, 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 ch- I checked. And um, it pretty much goes right from where you left off, where he's got a pet wolf, and then he's being turned into a wolf. And now he, like, is a wolf, and he's just, like, lurking. And he's lurking, and he's pouncing on people like an actual wolf. So I don't know what the hell they're doing with that title, but they took something that when... uh, They ripped off... And and I I can't say it enough, (laughs) because... um, you know, they, they totally took something that was left as, as, you know, a, a high quality title by, uh, Jeff, Jeff Lemire, Lemire and Andrea, Andrea Sorrentino. And, uh, you know, they just turned it into absolute toilet paper. And this is a character that I enjoy. You know, I really loved what Jeff Lemire did with the character. I love the TV show Arrow. Next week we're going to get into some DC TV. We're going to talk a little bit more about Arrow and the Flash and Legends of Tomorrow and all that good stuff. But um yeah, this is a character that I, I truly love and like I'm just truly pissed off at this book right now. It's yeah. like Green Arrow Wolf. Ugh. Green Arrow is more believe it or not, it's more Hit or miss than Aquaman. You'd think Aquaman would be, you know, a little bit lamer or the quality would be less, but Aquaman stories are usually pretty good. What has happened here is that when I first picked up, uh, Green Arrow and I started reading it, Dan Jurgens was doing it and it wasn't very good then and it was dragging and it was just like, I'm getting ready to put you down now until Jeff Lemire breathed yeah. life into that terrible little corpse that was Green Arrow. Yeah. And it, it, it was awesome. Like, like, and then, well, the artwork was iconic. The story yeah. was amazing. His Jeff Lemire's run on Green Arrow is like, like that's like one of the few Green Arrow runs you need to read. Like, there's that. There's Year One. You maybe want to read the Longbow Hunters. I don't know. Besides that, I mean, Jeff Lemire's run is that's like what you want to read, you know. But 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 right now, like, what the hell? Like for a little bit, they had Andrew Kreisberg and Mark Guggenheim, the people who were actually doing the show. They were doing the show, and and uh, for probably they did a quick arc, or uh, maybe they did a couple arcs. They did what's his name, King, and then he found out his identity, and then the last time I saw that arc. I well, last time I read it, uh, Green Lantern ended up saving them because they were thrown out of a window. Yeah, they had Green Lantern at the end. I remember that. I mean, they had some cool, uh, some really cool, like uh, special appearances that you normally wouldn't get in the, from the show. And it seemed like it was interesting enough. It's just that they were going for this crime family angle, and yeah, I just couldn't get into it. 
Yeah, but I mean, it was still better than what's happened now. Now it's no. just like this, there is no standard again. It's that, like, what the hell? Yeah, let's see. Green Arrow gets a dog. Green Arrow fights a guy who has drones. Green Arrow in his annual gets bit by a guy who's got werewolf syndrome or whatever, this disease that makes people werewolves. And then, by the way, DC or whoever that guy is writing it, why would you rip off one of the most laughed at shticks ever? They did it with Captain America. And people laughed at it then. You're going to take a character that can't handle becoming a wolf. Okay. Turning a wolf destroyed Green Arrow. That's yeah. why I stopped reading it when that's become when like, Oh no, he's a mutant. Once again, people that change, the X-Men did it 60 years plus years ago. <laughs> and they did it better than you. Just knock it off. Yeah, seriously. No people turning into wolves. The only people I want to see mutating or doing anything cool like that are the X-Men. That's it. No yeah. one else is allowed. Because now, no one else can pull it off. Now, if Green Arrow Wolf wants to go join the X-Men, now, I don't have a problem with that. Now, that sounds cool. We'll, we'll, we'll welcome him you know, into uh, the Jean Grey school or what have you. I think Marvel could actually pull that off. Well, no, they'd never do it because the, the amount of money and revenue they're getting from the television show is probably pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they would just never do it, period. But um, Well, they almost did. In the 80s, freaking Marvel almost bought DC. Interesting. Yeah. That was, would have been like a, a, uh, very much like a WCW, ECW, uh, being bought by WWE, uh, yeah. being bought by Vince, yeah. The, um, uh, I guess the plans were they were going to only really hold on to the core characters and have them be a universe of their own. Yeah. But, uh, thank goodness that didn't happen. But it doesn't mean that the DC characters are being done well responsibly. Like the DC characters have to have a certain feel to them. Like, yes, you gotta infuse certain modern elements of things that people deal with in regular day life, but, like, you gotta stay true to what the creators envisioned when they did the characters in the first place. Sometimes they get too crazy when they try to reinvent some of these characters. I tell ya, they really do. It's really something. Well, um, yeah, but I mean, the fringe is just, they have all these awesome side characters and they're all, like, really just, they're really just lacking. Yeah. I mean, I was really pumped about the Cyborg book. Well, no, the Cyborg, the, the art was amazing. The story wasn't that bad. It's just I got overwhelmed by other books, and it became a casualty as part of my cut because I hadn't been reading it for that long. Yeah, well, same here, except I, I just, it bored me. They could have done so many cool things with that character. And yeah, no, with the interdimensional know. people coming after, like, he could have done something about cybercrime and arresting cybercriminals or something, or they could have done any other number of things. I mean, yeah, they're focusing on, like, what's going on with him and his humanity, and I guess he's got, like, wicked crazy powers now. He's techno-organic. He can turn into machine stuff. Yeah, I mean, his power set's definitely very cool. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I might pick the book up again, but it's, I have a lot of faith in the character. I don't know. The book, the, the story didn't grab me. Um, same with Deathstroke. I have a lot of faith in that character too. I mean, uh. Well, he keeps getting his own series. I thought the first one that he had was really good when the New 52 started out. That was awesome. I read that as well. I was a big fan. And uh, I had read some recent Deathstroke that Tony Daniel had been putting out, and uh, it was just underwhelming. A lot of stuff with, uh, you know, him hunting down gods, you know, with... 
Uh, I like seeing him do like the dirtier mercenary stuff. Yeah, going that's... against characters or trying to assassinate heads of state. Those are the really good Deathstroke stories. I feel. Yeah, I, likewise. I couldn't agree with you more. Like he was doing a lot of like, I don't know, just bullshit stuff on Themyscira with Wonder Woman. Yeah. No, they were know. they were doing the thing where they're making him seem way more badass than he is in his own book, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when he encounters people who have actual quality, like Wonder Woman or Superman, he just can't deal. Well, he has that sword that was crafted by Hephaestus, who uh, is like the god of weaponry or whatever. So, like, he definitely had a, a fighting chance against. He, he fended both Wonder Woman and Superman off, and it was pretty cool. But uh hmm. I don't know, man. Like, is this like I just. They need some fresh minds in there, and they need to shake things up a little bit. You I think know? DC should kind of move away from trying to make monthly books for all these characters. What they should do is invite young creators to go ahead and have a six-shot miniseries with these characters. They choose a character, and I don't know. They're going to have portfolio or whatever, so the people DC are going to hire usually because DC is good at finding talent. Like oh, sure. it seems like every year somebody new comes up, but it just seems like two years after they're there, they end up like they're on Marvel's payroll. Yeah, they get kidnapped. So that's a problem. Yeah, that's you know the allure of money, that green color. Yeah, like it. Money but, talks, BS walks. But I mean, Marvel has a pretty good fringe too, although it's not as extensive as DC's. But I'm thinking miniseries might save them. It's not as extensive, but it's way better. Well, like the miniseries that, way been, that have been put out lately, though, like they've been so good. So like the Netflix like, stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Well, that stuff. Well, I'm talking about like... Uh, oh, you're talking about books still, yeah. Well, no. Nah, I mean, it applies to both, so... Word, homie. Yeah, no. It, it's... I don't know. Marvel has a cooler... Way cooler fringe, I yeah. think. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, let's see. I, I saw some stuff, like Doomed came out, and I was just like, no, I'm not touching that. No way. And then... Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, geez, the other one's Dr. Fate. I mean, the artwork looked interesting, but it's just like another one of those magical characters, and I'd rather have a magical character I'm reading about be a douchebag. And... Like Constantine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Constantine's awesome. Um, they get this thing going on right now. This guy's in danger because Constantine's in a relationship with him. So, like, everyone who gets involved with him ends up getting endangered. Uh, Papa Midnight had his, like, cockatrice snake rooster fanged thing hang on him, and told him that he bit him and poisoned him, so Constantine has to help him break back into his house and, like, get past <laughs> all, like, his magical things. And it turns out this demon called Neuron was the one who kicked Papa Midnight out of his house because Papa Midnight's got a got a, uh, a portal to hell in his house. So the demons are coming through that, and the demons You're are... You're on a portal to hell! The demons are buying up real estate within New York City, and they're getting... Buying real estate so in they, hell! So that they can... Steal human souls. Gotta steal your soul! Yep, so that's what's going on there, and then they end up getting captured, and they're down in hell because they got found out. And You're then, going to hell! And then some demon John Constantine had sex with before, like... What the hell? Yeah, no, he has sex with everybody, man. Jesus. So he uh Someone makes a deal to- with her just to get out of hell, and... uh they go out, and then the portal is op- held open by John's blood because he, he's the one who volunteered. He's like, wait a minute, so if I go through this, it's going to shut, and then he does, and he leaves the both of them stuck in hell. Huh. And then uh, and then John got stuck in the ferry 
from William Shakespeare. And I guess the fairy are just like terrifying because they just want things that give them pleasure all the time. Ah. And they're just like ah. crazy. So he ends up tricking one and then he ends up breaking its neck and then, uh, walking away. Cause it's, it's, it's okay to, um, rip off a fairy, but you can't break a contract with a demon. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Didn't know that. Didn't know it. So. Huh. But all in all, I mean, Constantine's been great. The first arc that they had, like, they had little stories and it all led up to this ex-girlfriend who ended up disappearing and turning into a wraith and eating all the ghosts that used to follow John around. Ooh, wow. That was a really good one. And then, uh, I mean, all in all, they get some, they've had some short stories. Ooh, he added this one shot with Swamp Thing. That was really good. Really? Oh yeah, you know, I remember reading that. Yeah, the Wood yeah. Nymphs. That's right. The wood nymphs, they were brand new wood nymphs, like the magic New York City has been kind of out of control. It's been one shots up to this point. I, I do remember reading that. Until they find out why everything was kind of nuts. Huh. Yeah. Well, you know. Constantine's been good. I'd say that, between that and Midnighter, those yes, are my two from, yes, from the, the Midnighter that I, that I would choose to continue to go with because they're both really good. Now why don't you just tell us now just a little bit about the Midnighter? So the Midnighter is, when he was a child, he was kidnapped and he was experimented on by aliens. Um, in this place called the Garden. Well, actually, I don't think they're aliens, just really sick human beings trying to make really creepy weapons. So in his head, they, uh, they genetically made it so that he's got this thinking computer. He can think up to a, a million different scenarios and which one he can choose based on, and he can do this within a second so he can always predict what his opponent's going to do. And he's also got, uh, like skin regeneration and stuff, and he's also, I think he, uh, he's got really, yeah, he's got a really high pain, pain tolerance. So he, what he's been doing is just, uh, he got in this thing, he was tricked by a guy he thought he was in a relationship with, by the way, Midnighter's gay. So he was in a relationship with this guy, and, uh, turns out this guy was actually like some other high tech assassin type guy trying, trying to trick him and kill him, and then, uh, then he ended up fighting him, he ended up winning, and then all in all, the art's really good. It's really violent, and he likes breaking people's bones. There's this one issue where he ended up facing off against Multiplex, and he's acting like it was Christmas, because he was just, like, breaking and snapping necks. and just Oh, yeah, I remember that. All the different Multiplexes. Yeah, he's a very sadistic guy. Right now, though, he's faced off against the, the Suicide Squad. And he's uh, going up against Amanda Waller and her people, and it's been actually really good. It's been really, really good. Uh, just now, um, Midnighter got captured, and they put him in an autopilot flying up into the sky and set it to self-destruct. So I'm wondering how he's going to get out of it. I know he's going to, but I'm wondering how he's going to do it. Hmm. And then it's been a really good title. You know, I really liked Eve, like that whole – all those Stormwatch characters – when it first came out, the beginning of New Fifty Two, it had it was great and it had all these great possibilities, and then a lot of potential, a lot of potential. Then it turned into the Midnighter and Apollo show, and it got real weird. And then the whole universe got rebooted for some weird reason, which really left a bad taste in my mouth. Oh yeah. And then they tried to make it seem cool by putting Lobo in it, and that wasn't even enough to save the book, and I had to get rid of it. Yeah, I remember I was reading it at that point, too. It appears that a lot of other people felt the same way. The book wasn't yeah. canceled much for longer after that. They probably let them finish up the arc, and then that was it. Yeah. Now, it's unfortunate because, uh, yeah, they could have done a lot of cool stuff with that book and that group of characters, for well, sure. They should have had a crossover with the Justice League, like like uh, Stormwatch versus the Justice League. It would have been great. 
It would have been better than that Trinity War thing they had going on. I agree. That was an, uh, DC is completely inept and impotent at creating story arcs that are events. They're, I mean, they've had a lot of them, but uh, like a lot of them really aren't of that great a quality. Marvel does a lot of them all the time, but usually they're pretty they're good. They're amazing. Even you can't yeah. remember them. Secret Wars is probably the best one in the past ten years for them. I think it was pretty incredible. Yeah. Well, well, Avengers vs. X Men was actually a pretty big deal too. That was a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, they've had some monumental ones. But like Forever Evil started out like, oh my god, this is so awesome, and then. It it finally concluded in a whimper because the the it took forever to come out. It took like yeah, it like took n- too long. It took like what nine months? Nine months to release seven books. Yeah, that's bad form. Really, because they wanted to get out all the other six issue miniseries that had to do with it. But Arkham War was amazing. I just don't like the last issue how it ended because he kicked Bane's ass way too easy. Way too easy. Yeah, that should have been a lot more drag out of a fight, I'd say. Yeah, it should have lasted two issues. A two issue brawl. Just like watching them like throw fisticuffs and then Batman. Yeah, now, ends up... now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rogue's Billion, eh, well that was okay. Argus is terrible and everything to do with it is awful. Um, and then... Except for that Steven Trevor, you know, he's a nice gentleman. He's a nice supporting character. He's a good support. <laughs> he's a nice supporting gentleman for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really see that much of him. Every once in a while, like, he's in something and it's okay. But, like, he should be in, a, if he's gonna be the supporting character guy, he needs to be mm-hmm. popping up in, like, every DC book. Because he... Argus is like, you never hear about him anymore. He's really good at getting captured. Yeah, he is really good at getting captured. <laughs> That's Steve Trevor. Uh, but he's a war hero. Oh, uh, he sucks. In the comic books. He sucks. Well, uh, you know, we covered a lot of ground today. I'm, uh, I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty pumped about what we talked about even though uh dc as a whole uh in regards to the comic book universe at least has has been uh extremely underwhelming and uh very displeasing lately uh there uh is certainly some diamonds within the rough there uh especially in regards to uh of course you know the steady marquee characters that they always seem to pump all their talent into in regards to Batman, Superman, The Flash, Green Lantern. A lot of, uh, lot of great story arcs. A lot of them are only really six issues back if you don't feel like waiting for trades. Yeah. You, you could probably find some of these fairly easily at your lo- local store. You sure could. And, you know, there's always online, but local stores seem to be pretty good. They, they're always trying to get rid of the back stuff anyways. Yeah, you want to support your local uh, shops there, you know, and don't be buying everything overseas. Made in America, USA. <laughs> so uh, we want to uh, thank you for listening. Uh, hope that you got something useful out of this uh, extensive DC Comics update. Um, once again, I want to uh, uh, reiterate to all you listeners out there that this was uh, our uh, kickoff episode, our first episode of uh, season two of the Vigilant Geek 
podcast. Um, now we want to make sure that you stay tuned with us. Next week we have a very interesting episode, uh, where we break down and discuss, uh, some of our favorite, uh, DC television series, including Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. We'll talk a little Gotham. We'll talk about Constantine, Supergirl, you name it. Uh, and then, you know, stay tuned with us throughout the season. Uh, we're gonna cover all sorts of neat things. We'll certainly be doing, uh, frequent Marvel and DC comics updates, as well as, uh, updates for Valiant Comics and Image Comics. Uh, we also cover a lot of, uh, indie projects and uh different independently published uh things that we see at cons and 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 local local works of of graphic novel literature um we'll also be covering uh lots of uh Topics in regards to film, uh, including uh, a big cast coming up this season uh, uh, on uh, the Quentin Tarantino movies. It's going to be uh, a big one with uh, lots of special guests there. Uh, be on the lookout for more coverage uh, in regards to anime and manga, um, as well as in-depth analysis, analyses, if you will, of uh, some of... Uh, the most famous story arcs in comic books. Uh, we want to also iterate that, uh, we'll be covering more episodes on video gaming, tabletop gaming, the WWE, and be on the lookout for, uh, returning special guests, uh, New England stand-up comedian Nathan Burke, uh, New England stand-up comedian Mark Gallagher, and others. Um, so we got a lot to offer, uh, in regards to season two. Um, we want to thank you very much for listening. My name is Andrew Puzak of Vigilant Geek Media. And with me, as always, my comic book partner in crime, Holden Arm, who is also of Vigilant Geek Media. We want to welcome you to, uh, visit the blog at TheVigilantGeek.blogspot.com. Uh, you can listen to all the podcast episodes there and also find us on YouTube. Uh, we just got on YouTube, so not all of the videos are up yet from season one, but they should be up within another week or two. Um, and that will eventually be the main hub to listen to all of our podcast episodes. And uh, that's, um, I don't have the URL. We will post the URL in the blog, but go to YouTube, look up The Vigilant Geek. You'll find our channel there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andrew Puzak. I'm still holding arm of Vigilant Geek Media. And as always, stay vigilant. vigilant.